Welcome to the SCG Church Young Adults Podcast, where we get to bring you sermons and content to help bring you closer to Jesus, develop your faith, and keep you up to date with everything young adults. Join us Sunday nights at 7 p.m. in the SCG Church Warehouse for our young adult service, or at our main campus services. We hope you enjoy. We are in week three of a series entitled DM, Dating and Marriage. And if you are new, my name is Matt, and I am, uh, I'm excited you guys are here. We are taking a pause on our study through the book of Romans, where we're studying all 430 verses. And uh, I guess we're doing this series because a bunch of you guys are single, and you're thirsty. No, I'm playing. But uh, you guys are single, and you want to learn how to have healthy relationships, which I love. So um, here's what I want you guys to do before we hop into where we're headed. I want you guys to answer this question. What do you believe the purpose of marriage is? I know we talked about this week one, which was two weeks ago, because we're in week three now. Um, what, what do you think the purpose of marriage is? Like, like what, what, what is it culturally? What is it biblically? Why does it exist? Whatever it may be. I'm going to give you guys a minute. I want you to turn and discuss some folks around you. Ready, set, go. Yeah, so I think we'd agree on this, right? And there's two juxtapositions that we're going to talk about tonight. And by the way, um, tonight is going to be a quick night, at least up here. I say that every night, but really it will be. Um, I'm going to give you longer time in discuss groups, I promise. I only have five pages of notes, and I'm going to try to go through them quickly. And I'm going to give you five tips, five tips on how to have a healthy, a secure marriage that you're going to prepare for now. Whether you're single as a Pringle, you are about to get married uh, tomorrow, whatever it is, right? Tonight is going to help you. And I'll be honest with you, in weeks to come, I'm going to uh, spend more time in each one of these five. I'm going to kind of quantify them. Today is just like an umbrella. It's like an overarching uh, perspective on the five things I'm going to be giving you. But I think people would say, really, that we have to kind of pause and step back a little bit. The purpose of marriage, I think, would be defined by the purpose of life. And I think that we live in a society now that would say the purpose of your life, the reason that you have a heart that beats inside your chest and you have oxygen in your veins, would be that it is really for personal happiness. And if that really is what the purpose of life is, then you would understand that our purpose of marriage and our ideal marriage would be informed by what we think our purpose of life is. In other words, I'll say that more simply... If you think the reason that you live is to have a smile on your face, then what do you think marriage would be about? It's that you're happy 100% of the time, always. I'm married. Rob and Carly are married, and I don't think anyone else... Is anyone else here married? Cool. Um, so I think you could be honest that there's not always 100% of the time I'm super happy, always. Now, I love my wife. I love being married. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me other than saying yes to Jesus, right? But not 100% of the time am I happy. There's moments in which you have fluctuating. It's a relationship, right? And all relationships fluctuate, right? So I think the, the issue is if we think that the objectivity or rather the, the purpose of marriage is for you to be happy, then anytime you are unhappy, well, you can just bounce out of the relationship. You can fall in love like you fall out of a tree, right? And I think that's problematic. And I think that belief is the thing that will shape marriage for many of us and who we are going to look for and who we want to marry. I mean, just think about really what the ideal spouse is in our culture. It's really about a handful of things, right? Um, you want them to be good looking. You probably want them to be taller than me, taller than 5'9". You want them to have tons of money and tons of power or whatever that is, right? And the problem is when you look purely for these types of characteristics, kind of like a, a tinder in some sense of the way, you use these, these qualities and characteristics, it just really becomes a gross form of selling oneself, self-merchandising in some sense of the way, where you look for status, you look for looks, you look for wealth on display, and you're constantly just selling yourself. We talked about this week one, and I think you can obviously see how this causes marital conflict in the future. 
And like I said a little bit earlier, when the person becomes, I don't know, when you have somebody that is wealthier, that looks nicer, um, or whatever it is, you kind of just bail out of that relationship, which really, if the point of whole, our whole life is happiness, and if I'm in a relationship that's not making me happy, we now have created things like no-fault divorce, where you can get out of a marriage easier than you can out of a car lease, and it's just sad, right? And that's kind of the culture and society in which we live in today. Seriously, I don't know if you guys ever tried to buy a car before or get out of a lease. It's literally easier to get a divorce than it is to end your contract with AT&T. It's unbelievable, right? I don't know what's happening in our world, but anyways. So anyways, in juxtaposition to that view, we have another view, which is the Christian view. And I think the Christian's view of life would simply be glorifying God. But let's go one step deeper to quantify that a little bit. I think culture believes that life, or at least marriage, its whole purpose is about personal satisfaction, And then on the other side, you have the biblical worldview and the biblical understanding of life and marriage itself, which is personal sanctification. Over here, personal satisfaction. And on this side, you have personal sanctification. Now, sanctification, it's a churchy word. It just means that two people in a marriage are pushing each other to become more like Christ, right? So when you think about this, each are going to have an ideal set. I think week one, was it week one or last week, I had you guys write your non-negotiables. Was that last week or two weeks ago? Non-negotiables were like things you were quantifying, saying these are the five things or the 10 things that I want my future spouse to have. They're non-negotiable. I want them to be a Christian. I want them to uh, be five, nine and a half, whatever the non-negotiables are for you, right? Um, right? Was that last week or, the week or first week? Anyways, you're going to see that both of these, if you believe that personal uh, um, satisfaction is the end goal of life and marriage, then you're going to have a list of non-negotiables that will quantify that. If you think it's personal sanctification, you're going to have a list that quantifies that as well. So your ideal spouse top qualities are going to be different in each category. Uh, physical attraction is going to be important in both categories, probably a good career aspiration, a good hygiene, right? No one wants, I don't know, brown tooth Brooke or something, or unibrow Uriah, I don't know, right? Uh, right? So like, these are certain qualities that you're going to want. They're going to be across the board, but they're going to be more important things. They're going to be your ultimate goal. Like, um, does the person have a godly character? Are they actively involved in their church? Do they tithe at their church? When was the last life group they were in? When was the last time they fasted? What's their, what's their understanding of scripture? These are the type of questions that you should be asking, which are different than like, I don't know, he's studying engineering, like whatever, right? Like go deeper than what their occupation's going to be. Or like he really likes surfing and he has a six pack. Like, like, like be deeper than that, right? If you, you're tethering your life to this person, Right? Perfect. Um, I remember uh, when I was asking uh, Doyle, which is my, my father-in-law now, if I could marry his daughter, Chelsea, and uh, he asked me some like, just incredible questions. One of the questions he asked me was this. He said, uh, how are you going to ensure that my daughter remains faithful to the Lord and that her faith enriches? And I was like, I didn't put that in the PowerPoint. You know, I was like, uh, that's a great question, right? Like, that is a phenomenal question. That was as a dad, him caring about his daughter, and the top priority was he wanted his daughter to continue to fall in love with Jesus Christ above and more than her, than her husband, right? So those are the type of qualities that you yourself are going to look for, right? My job as a husband is to prime an environment in which my wife and daughter now grow in who Christ wants them to be, right? And so that's what a marriage is, iron sharpening iron, like the book of Proverbs teaches us, but it's two people in a relationship together with our sole aim and target Jesus Christ. How can we push each other there, right? See, Chelsea over the years has taught me... Um, a lot about faith, and, and I'll, give you, I'll, give you a few, I'll give you a funny story that kind of relates. Um, have I ever told you guys a story of how Chelsea and I started dating? So a few of you guys. All right, so, uh, okay, so uh, we were in Guatemala. It was November 21st, 2011, and she still is and was then in charge of all our mission programs here. I was a mess. I was like 18 and uh, just turning 19, and um, I got my passport Saturday, 
and we left Sunday, right? And so a whole thing. And so she's been emailing my mom, and I didn't really know her, and I worked for her brother, and it was just a weird situation, right? So we're out there at Guatemala working alongside each other, and uh, um, we come back. We're kind of like, you know, like texting, flirting, whatever it is, and then it kind of stops. And then the next year we go back on, we go back to Guatemala, and uh, and then it kind of kicks up again. And now we're texting for like six, seven, eight months. And finally, like at the eight month mark, she just says, "Look, I like you. Like, do you like me? Like, where do you see this relationship going?" And I was like, "Uh, I think we should be friends." That's what I said to her. And she calls me, and then she goes, "What? Was I just an ego boost? What were you doing for the last eight months, just dragging me on, and I, or leading me on?" And I was like. Uh, so true story, I was in my office with my, another intern at the time, his name was Matt Yoko, and uh, he ends up being the best man at my wedding, and I was the best man at his. Um, and so we go, and we're standing on that cafe over there. I'm not standing, I'm sitting on the cafe, and, and, and he's sitting there, I'm going back and forth, like, I'm going to lose my job now, she's going to tell her dad and her brother, right, like, I'm a terrible person, and I just remember, like, super stressed out, right, and then she goes, look, we need to meet in person and talk about this, like, what, what have you been doing? Like, why have you, why have you like, played with me in this way? And I was like, frick, this is terrible, right? So we met right there. There used to be couches right where that TV is. And uh, it was on a Saturday night. And it was rainy just like this. And, uh, and she sits down and I'm silent, right? I'm like, I'm a freaking idiot, you know? Like, and the truth is, well, so she starts talking. And, uh, and I said, as she's like telling me like, you know, a bunch of things, she's basically yelling at me because <laughs> she was angry that I like wasted her time. And I said, look, I gotta be honest with you. I really do like you. I'm just terrified of your family. And then I saw this whole other side. I never had a conversation with, with, with her dad, Doyle. He's the senior pastor, my boss at the church. Cody, also my boss. Um, and I saw this whole other side of her where she goes, she was so compassionate and like attentive and, and this, whole other, this whole other side of her. And I realized that she spoke so much wisdom in that moment too. Like she said that she talked to her counselor, her parents, all about dating me. And I talked to nobody. No one knew we were texting. And then she said this one line. She said, sin hides in your secrets and so does shame. And I was like, that is brilliant. You know, like bring the light to the, th- like bring light. So if you're, if you're in the process of dating somebody, bring that to light to people that you trust so that they can. So she, she first went to her counselor at the time. Then she went to her parents. Mom and dad said, hey, I'm thinking about dating Matt. What do you think about that? Right? And I was an intern at this church. My wife's also five years older than I am. And so there was just so many like, things I was threatened by her. I was threatened by because I thought she was, um, the deepest thing I was threatened by was if she got close to me, she was going to realize that I was a mess and she wasn't going to want me. And so there was a bunch of psychological issues that were being at play there. But one of the things I love so much about my wife is she's really tough. It took a confident woman to be able to do that, what I just described to you. And she's been that for me for a lot. She has seen in, in, in all my rough edges and learned to, and, and I've learned to sacrifice in certain ways and become, in some sense of the way, remove those rough edges in my life. And I do the very same things for her. Now, you take that, what I just talked about, against the non Christian view of marriage, where there's no sacrifice, there's no uh, uh, willingness to remove rough ed- edges or whatever it is. And when life gets du- tough, you can just quit because you're not happy any longer, right? And so, like today, here's what I want to do I realize, number one, that life's most meaningful, important things are probably going to be hard, right? The most meaningful things in your life have probably also simultaneously been some of the most hard and difficult things in your life. And marriage will be a difficult, hard thing for you, but it is, it is, it's so worth it if it's done well. Today, I want to give you five tips to help you do this well, because here's the truth, and I don't mean to offend anybody, you're a mess. I know that because I'm a mess, and I was definitely a mess when I was sitting in the chairs that you're in. Because you all have family of origin issues. You all have, uh, and by the way, if you've ever been sexually active in a relationship, you're more of a mess than you think you are. 
If you have parents who are alcoholics like mine, you're more of a mess than you think you are. If you have parents that you become from a divorced household, you're more of a mess than you think you are. If you come from a perfect household, you are more than a mess than you think you are. It's important that you look in the mirror. The illustration I often use is everyone likes to look in a regular mirror. No one likes to look up in a makeup mirror because it shows everything. All your imperfections, your deepest, darkest thoughts, all of it, right? And, and that's what scripture is. It shows you, look, you're a mess, but you can be beautiful. And no, not more than, you, you can change you more than just makeup, right? And so here are the five things that I think are going to help grow you. And these are the things that I apply to my life that really change the direction of my life. Five things that I think. Number one, become the right person if you want to meet the right person. Here's why I brought this up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you more of, I'm gonna give you five things next week just on this one alone. But I'll, I'll do a quick over, over, kind of overview of this. I think so many people buy into the myth that, well, I'm gonna find the right person and then everything's gonna work out. Right? They're out there. I know they are. Right? Like, I haven't met them yet. Maybe they're in this room. Maybe they're not. I don't know. But the right person is out there. And when I meet that right person, it's going to be great. And somehow, my love for this person is going to change me. And the chemistry is going to be so electric that I'm going to become a better person. Wrong. That, that's not how it works, right? Where uh, you're going to say, like, I'm going to learn to be faithful to this person, right? I'm going to overcome all of my daddy issues. I'm, going to, I'm going to kick this addiction. I'm going to fix my anger issues or codependency when I find the right person. That's not how this works. And we have this subconscious idea that like these promises, that I'll become better then, um, I'm going to, whatever it may be. And look, promises are no substitution for preparation. Promises are no substitution for preparation. I'll give you a silly example for this. Um, who's ever ran a marathon here before? Or even like a 5K? Yeah, I'm not stupid enough to do either of those. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. But anyone that's ever ran a long distance race knows, right, that it's one thing to sign up and promise to do it, and it's another thing to actually show up day of. In fact, promising to do something is not the same as preparing to do something. Preparing is an entirely different thing. Now, this seems obvious, except when it comes to relationships. Let me give you an example of this. I've had conversations with tons of high schoolers and tons of young adults over the years, and they'll say things like, well, I've been single for six months now. Now, you know, I don't want to be single. I'm ready to mingle. I'm going to go out in the you know, dating field or whatever. And they think that because they've been single for six months, five months, four months, that, they're, that they are now ready to date, even though their past relationship, they were sexually active, even their past relationship, they weren't following the Lord, whatever it is. They think for some reason it's time duration that has equipped and prepared them. No, experience does not mature you. Evaluated experience matures you. So look into your past and ask, why did the relationship not work? Why did things get so out of hand sexually? Why did we cross lines we both knew that we weren't supposed to cross? Your past is the best indicator of your future. What kind of future are you creating? with the person that you want to be with or the relationship you're in currently. Promises are no substitution for, for preparation. How are you preparing not to make the same mistakes you made then? I'm actually going to help you guys. I'm going to, go, I'm going to give you five things next week that really quantify under that. But people think that I can promise my way past la a lack of preparation. That's not the case, right? Not the case at all. And here's why I want to talk about this. You get the chance now to change this. Between now and marriage, you can prepare for a commitment and promise that you can actually keep right? But here's the truth. You are never going to be less motivated to change than you are right now. And maybe, maybe at some future point when you're in a relationship and they start using words like divorce, you're going to want to change. But I can, you can save yourself from that by preparing now because there is no such thing as marital problems. There are two people who have problems that get married and they think it's the marriage itself that's going to solve the issues and it never is. The past is the best indicator of your future. So what type of future are you going to create if you don't prepare? If you don't do the hard work? Number two, break your bad habits now. Here's the thing about marriage. Like I said earlier, there is absolutely no, no, th no such thing as marital problems. There are two people that have problems to get married. Marriage is not designed to solve any marital problems. Marriage is not designed to solve problems. 
Marriage does this. It both magnifies your good and magnifies your bad. So break your bad habits now because they'll be worse when you get married, I promise. If you drink too much now, I promise you, you'll drink more then. If you're in debt now from shopping, you'll be in more debt then. If you sleep around now and struggle to be faithful now, you're not going to be faithful then, I promise you. And then this one's for guys and 40% of the women statistically in this room. Stop looking at porn. 70% probably of the guys in this room actively look at porn. It's ruining your future marriage. And by the way, it's scientifically proven. Our brain is neuroplastic, meaning that it rewires itself off the stimulus that you give it. And so you're going to rewire your brain, and you're going to develop these unrealistic expectations. And I'll say it this way. Don't even think about dating until you beat that habit. Like, don't even, like, if you're a guy in this room or a girl in this room and you're actively addicted to pornography, don't even think about dating until you kick this habit. And then this next one's for everyone. Get a counselor. You're a dumpster fire, and that's okay. That's awesome. I will, I'm one too. But you don't, you, can, you, can, you, can, you don't have to be a dumpster fire for the rest of your life and carry all of your family of origin issues and all of that into your relationship. I know couples, right, that maybe even the guy comes from a healthy relationship with mom and dad, but the girl doesn't. And now all of a sudden the guy is starting to develop some mental illnesses in some capacity in some way, primarily because the person that he's in a relationship with hasn't dealt with their stuff too. You are tethering. Dating, don't, like, don't fool yourself. Your heart is of utmost value and that which you give your heart to is that which shapes it. That's what dating is. you kind of like giving each other's hearts. Who have you given your heart to if you are dating somebody or who you will date? So here's another thought. When we talk about a counselor, you need to be a whole person looking for another whole person to avoid a person with holes in them. This is simple. You need to be a whole person looking for another whole person to avoid a person with holes in them. Why? If they have holes, guess who they're going to expect to fix it? You. And whatever their issue is before you get married and in the process of dating, six months from now, or when you start your relationship, it'll all be your fault and your problem. It's your fault I drink, and I'm, I drink too much, I'm not happy. It's your fault I look at porn because we don't have sex. It's your fault I, don't, I spend too much money because you don't provide for me, whatever it may be. This next one actually comes from um, me being a dad now and evaluating the type of man that I want my daughter eventually to date and marry, which is hopefully one person. She dates one person, marries that person. Uh, <laughs> and this one's, for the, this one's for the ladies, and uh, if this offends you, I'm not here to make friends. Um, don't dress like a commodity or being put up by being treated like one. This may be a painful illustration, but I mean it in all love. I want you to look at it like this. How do fishermen determine what kind of bait they should use? depending on what they want to catch. If you are using your body, the way you dress, the pictures you post as bait, guess what kind of men you're going to attract? Probably not the marriage material, to say the least, right? So let me say it this way. God created you, and you are more than a body. Save your body for later. Don't fish with it, right? Fish with your mind, your passion, and your drive, and your love for God. Fish with those things. You'll attract an entirely different type of person. Tip number four, postpone the physical component of the relationship as long as possible. Now, not just sex, right? Yes, postpone that to your wedding night, right? And all of the things that accompany that, right? But everything, kissing, cuddling, et cetera, whatever it is. As a pastor, I have never once been in a premarital counseling session with somebody and said, you know, um, I think our relationship would have been much better if we got physical way faster. That's never happened. However, the opposite, I've heard the opposite where it's, I think we got physical too quick, and I think we totally screwed up our relationship because of that stuff, right? 
The truth is all romantic activity, put under that umbrella whatever you want, has the capacity to cloud and fog your judgment of this person. And so postpone all of that. By the way, I also recommend people to date for a long time. Date for a long time, have a very, very short engagement. Not like 24 hours short, but like, you know, like, but I'm saying like date for like a minimum of 18 months to 24 months before you think about proposing whatever it is. And then make your engagement very short because you've done the hard work of evaluating this person. You've, 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 you've not having sex with this person or whatever it is. You can see this person for who they really are. By the way, and then also invite, this isn't on my, my list. I'll probably give it to you next week. Invite wise counsel into your relationship. Oftentimes, it is the people around you that have a, an idea of, of the person that you're, spend, that you're dating, and they can see this person better than you actually can. Now, I want to pre- create a caveat or an asterisk next to this. Maybe not your friends, depending on who your friends are and if you really trust their judgment, right? Um, but if, like, you have a friend of Rebecca, and Rebecca's constantly in and out of relationships, or Sam, or whatever who your buddies are, and that's probably not the person that you want, like, speaking life into your relationship if they themselves are a dumpster fire. You want probably someone wiser than you, has a greater perspective than you, things along those lines. Tip number five, and our last one for today, get involved at church. This is a big deal. I'm very simple. I told you tonight's message was going to be super simple. If you want to meet the right person... You need to be in the right place. You know where the right people probably aren't? Probably line dancing on Friday night. Probably at the bar. Chances are that's not where you're going to meet the person of your dreams. I know I just offended everyone here, and I love it. Uh, chance, I'm just going to be real with you. Chances are, <laughs> some of you guys are looking like, I'm dating the person I met at Incahoots, whatever place. Uh, is that what it's called? I don't know. I don't line dance. Uh, I'm going to be straight. Chances are. You could have the one person, probably not, but I'm playing. Um, but chance, if you want to meet the right person, you need to be in the right place. Right? Imagine one day your little daughter or your son comes up to you and says, Mommy, where did you meet Daddy? Or vice versa. You have to say, well, sweetheart, um, we were at the club. Uh, your dad was drunk, and I was dropping it like it's hot. Right? That's not what you want to say. That's not the story of, and, we, and happily ever after. That's not it. Right? That's not the story you want, right? <laughs> so I'll keep it short, right? The best place that you're going to meet a godly guy or a godly girl is going to be at the place that God has left here on earth, i.e. the church. And so make the church a priority, right? If you want, so one, get involved, start serving, make this a consistent place in your life. I promise you it'll be worth it, all right? So I told you, that's gotta be the shortest message I've ever done at Young Adults. What was that, like 20 minutes? Do I know what you for an hour? Uh, don't worry, you'll get an hour next week. Um, all right, here's what I want to do. Those are your five tips. I'm going to give you guys like 25 minutes today. I wrote some more questions for you guys to go through your guys' groups, break up in whatever group, however you want them to. I'm going to pray for you guys. If you have any questions, text me. Put your arm around somebody, and I'll close this in prayer. Father, today we thank you that uh, you are a God of wisdom. And as we seek you, God, you, you give us wisdom and discernment and knowledge and uh, just a right way of living our lives. And so, Father, as we think about dating and marriage, Father, would your spirit lead us and equip us, God, to do that well. Father, we love you. We Thank you in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to the SCG Church Young Adults Podcast. For more information about our services, events, and ways to get involved, head on over to scgchurch.org. Thanks again for listening.